going on everybody it's your boy Val Cisco aka Lucha Val and welcome to a special edition of Godzilla and Friends brought to you by Pop Culture Fanatics this podcast is specifically about Godzilla and all his kaiju friends inside the monsterverse world and out and of course we're here to talk about a little movie that just came out I want to say hmm, almost a week ago I gave it some time I wanted people to watch it I wanted that reception to come out I needed to watch it myself a couple of times before I gave a full-fledged review on Godzilla vs Kong guys it's been so long since I seen a Godzilla movie in the theaters <laughs> approximately two years but still 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 I gotta say man oh man oh man it felt good to see the g-man again it's your boy val and i'm here if you guys don't know that much about me i am a huge gojira fan i love myself some goji um can't get enough of goji whatsoever and i will say i've been super hyped for this film i've been highly anticipating the release even though it's been pushed back then moved forward then pushed back released on hbo max released in theaters so many hurdles to get to this movie but here we are we're gonna talk about it full spoilers as well too it's been a week guys i kind of gave you a week but we're here we're here now so let's get into the muck of things okay because i really i really want to get into this like we we got to we, we definitely got to so let's talk about it godzilla versus kong So we're here now. Let's get into it, guys. Godzilla vs. Kong. Man, oh man, oh man. Let's, let's just get into the main meat of it. It's a monster film directed by Adam Wingard, the guy who made the Death Note tragedy movie on Netflix. I, I say tragedy because people do hate that film. It's an Americanized version of Death Note, a beloved franchise, uh, manga series, and anime that just did not hit home. I didn't think it was that bad, um, but... You know, people have their thoughts on that, so already this movie had a little bit of a, a little bit of something to it that people were kind of smirking about a tad bit. Um, it is a direct sequel to Godzilla King of the Monsters from 2019 and Kong Skull Island from 2017. It is the fourth film in the legendary monster verse. It also is the 36th 
film in the Godzilla franchise, the 12th film in the King Kong franchise, and the 4th Godzilla film to be completely produced by Hollywood. The film stars Alexander Skarsgård, Millie Bobby Brown, Rebecca Hall, Brian Henry, Sean Oguri, I probably botched that name right there, and a slew of other characters including Kyle Chandler who does nothing. You're useless in this movie, buddy. We'll get into it. Um... You know, this project was announced in October 2015, and if you're like me, a Godzilla fan, we've been anticipating this movie. We've been anticipating it since it was supposed to be released November 2020, uh, but because, of course, the COVID pandemic, the movie was pushed back, and of course, it had a simultaneous release um, last Wednesday as well, too, uh, March 24th, 2021, uh, on HBO Max, as well as mainstream movie theaters as well, too. A lot of people were kind of pissed off with this because, you know, it's been stated because Godzilla King of the Monsters did not do so well. Um, you know, well, maybe it didn't do so well critically. Fan service loved that movie, but because it did not make gangbuster, um, uh, a gangbuster, um, I, I guess, presence in the box office, um, there were thoughts about canceling the MonsterVerse if Godzilla vs. Kong did not succeed. And of course, if you're not getting all that, 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 that swag and that box office appeal, uh, because people are gonna stay home and watch it on HBO Max. Um, that could definitely hurt the film, but I will say this film has been doing awesome both on theaters, in theaters, excuse me, and on HBO Max. It's already outdoing Wonder Woman when it comes to theater release and HBO Max release as well too. So that's, that's a good sign right there, guys. We may be getting something. Although the film itself, like I said, spoilers, does end in a way where... It's a standalone movie. It also gives you something to think about if sequels were to happen as well, too. Um, there's a lot of stuff in this movie we're going to be talking about. I'm not going to go through this movie from start to finish because, of course, you either saw the movie and you just want to hear thoughts. Or you haven't seen the movie. And if that's the case, why are you listening to me? Go go, go on HBO right now. Watch it. Um, I said this before. And I'll say it again, this movie right now, if I had to rank them, if I had to give my raw ranking right now, it is my number two favorite Godzilla movie in the MonsterVerse. MonsterVerse, people. I said, when you're looking outside of Godzilla, the Godzilla spectrum, of all the movies from the Showa to the he Heisei uh, to the Millennium till now, I, I don't know where to rank it right now. Because I put like a lot of movies like the original Gojira uh, from 1954, I, I have... Godzilla Returns, I have Shin Godzilla up there high, so it all depends. But as far as the MonsterVerse, the American MonsterVerse universe, it stands. King of Monsters, Godzilla vs. Kong, Kong Skull Island, and of course from there, Godzilla 2014. I know that's a tragedy to some people because they had 2014 as like the pinnacle of Godzilla movies. Me, myself, meh. I don't find myself going back to that movie as much as uh, I would like to. But the others I've seen multiple times already. Um, and I just love, you know, King of the Monsters. I mean, King of the Monsters from the score to um, the monsters. You know, I judge a movie by how, how great Godzilla is, that Godzilla effect. Are you getting enough monsters? Are, you, are they visible? 
are they doing anything cool you know fuck the 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 human interaction i just want to know what the hell goji's doing and you know you got everything in that movie from rodan and rodan's original theme mothra mothra's original theme you get larva mothra you get king Ghidorah, the false king um you know monster zero you get godzilla you get fucking burning godzilla at one point you know, and then a whole bunch of other slew of monsters, Methuselah, Leviathan, Behemoth, so on and so forth. So there's a lot in that movie that you can sink your teeth into as a kaiju fan. But also, like, the story's a little contrived. It's, it's a little all over the place, but I f- still feel like it's a little more consistent than this story right here for Godzilla vs. Kong. I digress. Let's get into it, man. Why is this movie my number two? Um, well, definitely it's ranked pretty damn high. Uh, I love myself some Kong. You know, when I when I look at myself as a kaiju fan, you know, my boy Jake, who, was, who also is on this podcast as well, too. Um, you know, we had this conversation going in. We saw this at the Alamo Draft House. Um, and we're there sitting there having a little drink before the movie. And we're like, man, like, so many movies have come out. Like, what's your perception on things? Like, Godzilla, Team Kong... I'm like, man, I love myself some King Kong. I, I, I think from a story aspect, like if you're looking at the human characters mixed with the actual stories involved with the monsters, or Kong at least, I think Kong has more digestible movies than Godzilla. I feel like you still need to be an ultra fan to enjoy a Showa-era Godzilla movie. Uh, whereas King Kong, I feel like it's beloved of all his movies. Like, uh, maybe maybe the Showa movies are a little crazy with King Kong versus Godzilla or King Kong Escapes. But if you look at, like, the original Kong, um, if you look at the 19... was it? 76 version of Kong uh, with Jeff Bridges. If you look at even the Peter Jackson Kong uh, or even Kong Skull Island, and, you know, the stories they work the human interaction it works and maybe it's because Kong could be relatable to a human character uh, rather than Godzilla can but man I was super hyped because I wanted to see what they were going to do in this movie Um, so let's talk about let's talk about favorite parts full spoilers right here favorite parts like I said I'm not going to go back and forth what did I love about this movie Um, number one I love the fact that our Godzilla in this movie, semi-anti-hero, you know, uh, you see Godzilla in his most destructive form, and I absolutely love that, you know, I'm a fan of, you know, Godzilla Returns, and just him stomping around buildings and destroying shit, you know, the original Godzilla, you know, uh, um, Shin Godzilla, of just like, the earth defending itself and what how is it defending itself sending a titan to destroy things like that is my pinnacle godzilla you know the 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 living embodiment of the a-bomb i love that you know what i mean like i i i think that's been missed a little bit for godzilla just a mean motherfucker you get that with this godzilla like of course he has motives he's agitated he's irritable he wants to be this super alpha male but he also wants to like protect the or the earth not people but the earth from from shenanigans out there 
So I love the fact that our Godzilla, you know, he goes through a uh, 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 power plant as we see in the beginning of the movie. Uh, because he senses a threat there, but he's basically like, fuck this, fuck this car, fuck that train, fuck your building, I'm destroying anybody. Like, that's, that works for me right there. I mean, don't get me, don't get me, don't get it twisted, don't get me wrong. I love King of the Monsters, that part where you get to see, um, um, the Argos and Godzilla charge at Ghidorah, fantastic. Love that synergy right there. But this was Godzilla at his most malice. It was great. It was great. Like, you know, and that's throughout throughout the movie. Like, yeah, like, there's parts where, like, he his first interaction with Kong. And, of course, you see it in the trailers. But, you know, just how vicious he is. You know, you know, say what you want about, you know, the director, Adam Wingard. But, you know, oh... What he lacks with with the Godzilla Easter eggs or mages that he has in this movie, he he celebrates cinema in a way. When I say that, like direct Jaws references, the way that Godzilla swims in this movie is directly like Jaws. When you see his dorsal fins pop out the water like a shark fin, it's almost remotely like Jaws. Even the parts where he's dragging boats under like Jaws did as well too. Um, I love it. it. It gives you a sense of fear and anticipation. And I think that's what you need with Godzilla. You need that foe to feel like, oh shit, shit's about to go down. So, I love that. I love his ferocity, man. Like, this is a Godzilla that we haven't seen before fight the way he fights. You know, this is a... Not to say he had lack of atomic breath, because there was many times he used it. But... I think we've been conditioned throughout the ages to look at a Godzilla film and say, okay, stomp, 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 atomic breath, or if you want to go down to the Showa era, uh, you know, karate kick, atomic breath, you know what I mean? This right here was animalistic, and I loved it. I loved it. Like, yes, in the water you get, like, that shark mentality of a great white shark, but then you get, like, that that eel mentality of using his tail to choke out Kong and drag him into the water to, to drown him. Fantastic. Fantastic. You kind of got that a little bit with Ghidorah in King of the Monsters, but not to this extent. And then his land battles, like, his battles on land show how ferocious he is. Like, there's parts where He's almost like a an alligator, a crocodile, or a snapping turtle. Where you hear the chomps, it's like like those chomps are just snapping. And every the sound of this movie is just beautiful. By the way, the sound fantastic. You hear absolutely everything. And when I say everything, every time Godzilla goes for like a chomp, you hear the snap like a snapping turtle. You know, and it makes you scared. You you fear for Kong. You definitely fear that one of these snaps could bite this motherfucker's dick off or something like that. So that right there was great the way like he goes on all fours and goes ultra predator status starts swiping with his claws very 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 different but i love it just makes sense with this character's built his build like thick but like a, like a tank almost and nimble as well too fucking great man like this is the godzilla that i missed for a while the last time i seen this much destruction was probably shin godzilla so it's worked for me i know there's a lot of people that hate shin godzilla i'm not one of them love it ultra blu-ray it's mine um what else kong 
Um, I have my feelings on Kong. And not the way you would think. I think his character arc, fantastic throughout the whole movie. I love the sign language. Him and Jay communicating through sign language is fantastic. Jay is probably the star gets her in a second, but Kong communicating with sign language, great. Uh, the smart, the smart ape, um, Gigantopithecus that they're trying to to use right here is fantastic. I, I think that Kong is strongest when he's emoting, you know, um, and showing different sides of emotion and and just concern or happiness. There's parts where he's eating fish and he's like thrilled because it looks like this is the first time he's eating something like that. You know, when he sees snow for the first time and it's how different it is and how he gets cold, sad, depressed, happy. All that is just great. I believe the person that, I gotta get his name. I apologize that I don't have his name right now, but he's the same person that worked with Andy Serkis um, with Rise of the Planet of the Apes. Like, I believe he was the second in command in a way. So, you know, you have someone that has worked extensively with Andy with these mocaps, and it's just fantastic. You see it. It flourishes throughout the whole damn movie. Um, his fighting style is fantastic as well, too. He's like, like in Kong Skull Island, he's a very much a, a thinking man or thinking animal where he uses tools or uses things around him as battle items. Now, are there some things that are a little weird? A tad bit, you know. Kong going down to the to the Hollow Earth and seeing a, a Kong Kingdom, if you will, almost like Godzilla's Atlantis Kingdom that he had in King of the Monsters that they blew up and never talked about again. Um, same thing with this, like they have like a you know a place where Kong has a throne room full of you know Godzilla dorsal fin axes and gods and you know a whole bunch of Kong statues as well too. So I'm like. Huh, that's that's it's interesting. <laughs> I don't know if I would have went with that, but that's interesting as well too. Uh, but I do like how smart Kong is. And I do like that he is a little outmatched by Godzilla. I'm happy that it's not an even fight. I like the fact that yeah, you know, Godzilla is a tank. Kong is more of a uh, he's like that ranger character if you're looking at D and D. But at the same time, he he is physically outmatched. Um, I like that duality there. What I don't like is that sometimes throughout the movie, they're scaling issues with Kong. I feel like what you see in Skull Island with the, you know, erected Kong standing on two legs, you know, hands down, Gigantopithecus kind of model right there of like, like a Bigfoot kind of, kind of character that works for that version. And then this movie, I feel like they want to have their cake and eat it. You get that model at first, but also you you get the the 2005 version of Kong where he goes on all fours, knuckling up and traveling on the floor, which it looks different because then it looks like his feet and his legs get stumpier when he's in that mode, especially when he's running. When he's running and galloping almost throughout the freaking hollow earth, it, the size does look a little wonky a tad bit. And then he stands up erect and erect uh -huh. and then of course you know it just looks different again so uh it kind of reminds me of uh, godzilla versus king Kong or king Kong versus godzilla from 1960s where some ports you see some ports some parts look at me i can't even talk you see kong normal like the normal suit and then you see extra long arms sometimes as well too it's kind of noticeable in that movie um but 
take that take that away. I love Kong itself. I I think Kong is one of the better parts of this movie. This definitely is a King Kong movie. This or Kong. He's not king yet, but this is definitely a Kong central movie where his arc is taking over the movie. His feelings, his, the sympathetic character that he is, you're rooting for Kong throughout the whole damn movie, even if you're a Godzilla fan. That is fantastic. It is great. I said the sound's great. Uh, I think the sound's incredible in this movie. And you take that, the fights are fantastic. Whether it's that water scene with the ships, whether it's the Hong Kong scene with the neon buildings, and Kong with his little Stormbreaker axe. Um, or even the final fight with Mechagodzilla. Spoiler, yes, he's been spoiled since about, I want to say four months already. Spoiler, you know, Mechagodzilla. Um, you know, at first when I saw the model, it was kind of like, meh. When I saw the toys and I saw, like, the, the graphics for him. Um, but actually seeing him, it, I want to say him, um, and I'll tell you why in a second. Um... Or it could be it still. Who knows? Um, when I saw it actually emerge, curled up, almost like a sleeping giant, and then like attack like a skull crawler, and then of course the the pinnacle battle at the end with Godzilla, and then Godzilla and Kong. I was impressed. This looks like a Mecha Godzilla. Very different design. Yes, totally different than what you see with the original Showa era Mecha Godzillas and Heisei era Mecha Godzillas. Uh, totally different from the Millennium Mechagodzilla. Totally different from Ready Player One's Mechagodzilla, which people were expecting to see. Um, but different, but good. I love his design after seeing him move very nimble, very quick. Um, he has like pulse cannons on his hands, which are pretty cool. Rockets on his neck. His laser is just fantastic as well, too. It comes to a point where it looks like Shin Godzilla's laser. And it outblasts Godzilla in a Harry Potter Voldemort duel. So that was cool. Um, and a little scorpion tail as well, too. That was pretty dope as well. So, Mechagodzilla, Monsterverse status, Legendary status, works for me. Um, yeah, I loved all that, man. I thought the monster stuff was, was great when it came to battling. And then the Kong stuff with emotion was great. Let's talk about oh, Jay. Jay is probably the only character that I really care about in this whole goddamn movie. I think Jay is a breath of fresh air. I think she, um, you know, Kaylee is actually a, 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 a death, um, a death actress. This is her first role, I believe, too, in a major motion picture. She knocked it out the park. Her facial expressions can make anybody melt and cry at the same time. Like, she conveys so much emotion with her face. It's adorable. It's great. You can see her connection with Kong. And Kong is not even a living goddamn thing, but she emotes so well in this movie that she makes Kong feel real. She must be protected. This little girl is fantastic. The last of the of the Iwis. I believe they're called Iwis, right? Iwis? Um, she... Which, um... That was a, a big what-the-fuck moment as well, too, knowing that she's the last of that indigenous tribe that we saw on Skull Island. Um, but I think she's great. I think that she's in a lot of peril throughout the movie, which is weird. I think where her keepers are not the best, you know, adoptive parent or parents with, if you want to count Alexander Skarsgård 
maybe being in the mix later on um but you take that away like she's just a breath of fresh air and probably the best character in this movie hands down hands down um let's just go away with the stuff i just didn't like in this movie um whew. i felt that the characters that we saw in godzilla king of the monsters um that made appearance in this movie you know millie bobby brown michael Chan- oh, i was gonna say michael chandler look at me kyle chandler t- playing dr mark russell and of course millie bobby brown playing madison russell they were just so inconsequential in this film they did not matter maybe millie bobby brown's character kind of matter because she has a connection from the last movie but kyle chandler did not matter whatsoever he had maybe like three scenes four or five lines um he goes from hell on earth i need to find my family to up oh, godzilla's doing what he does really quickly this movie is like in a five-year span as well too so there is a time jump i believe um fucking weird i just the fact that these characters are so sidelined I felt like you could have just got rid of them. I know that sucks because people do like those characters in some way. But I feel that they could have been X'd out the movie. Just so that way you could have had more time with Jay. More time with Rebecca Hall's character, Dr. Andrews. With Alex Skarsgård's character, Dr. Nathan Lynn. And those characters could have been fleshed out a little bit more. Hell, you took them out. You probably would have got like, um, you know, Ren's character and... And, um, possibly, uh, who, who's another one right now that, that's, that's, a, that's another one. Maybe, uh, maybe, um, Brian Henry's character as well, too. Bernie Hayes, the podcaster. Maybe you could have had him fleshed out as well, too. I don't know. But I was focused on the Kong characters rather than I was on the Godzilla characters. Uh, Millie Bobby Brown, what is she doing right now? She is... A conspiracy nut herself. She's like, why is Godzilla doing this? I'm going to listen to a podcast and figure it out. Awesome. Millie Bobby Brown listened to this podcast. That'd be great. Your character was kind of shitty in this movie, though. But I digress. You know, someone who's like kind of like brilliant in the last movie, you know, knowing how to fuck with the Orca and how to manipulate, you know, Titans. You're just like a... You're a quiet boy, as Arnold says in this movie. Um... I just did not care for her character whatsoever. It did not add to the movie whatsoever. Um, you know, Julian Dennison playing Josh Valentine, I just, he didn't add anything either. He's, you know, if you know him from, most notably from probably Deadpool 2. And you would have thought that his raunchiness or his his awkwardness would play great for, for comedic entertainment. Um, it didn't. I feel like he was so neutered in this movie he was you know segued as like the nerdy best friend that everybody picks on in the movie and it's like eh, like you should be like sunning everybody you should be dropping bombs on everybody you know having the last word on people instead you're just like a not even a good comedic relief you're a temporary comedic relief and it's not even the best 
um, Brian Henry playing Bernie Hayes, the, the podcaster, the conspiracy nut that you know breaks into facilities to figure out what the hell is happening with Titans and what the hell is happening, you know, with this with this Apex organization, Apex Cybernetics. Um, I, I don't think he's a bad character. I just think matched up with the Godzilla duo that you do get, it just doesn't matter to me. Like I feel like they weigh him down. Him doing things by himself probably would have been fun. I thought he had great interactions in Apex with different with different people in there. I thought his investigation stuff was cool. I even thought, you know, how how much of a nut he is bathing with bleach so that way, you know, nothing could find him was pretty out there but fun. You know, I think he can be a fun character, but the fact that like he's you know, this crackpot is is mixed with these kids. It kind of just dumbs the character down just a tad bit. J- just a tad bit. Um, Dr. Andrew's character from the comic side. <sighs> I feel like if you would have gave her more time, you could have fleshed out her character. She's like Kong's caregiver, if you will. She runs the Monarch or, uh, Outpost um, on Skull Island. Um, it's known that the Kiwis have been basically destroyed by the constant storms that have been happening on Skull Island. That's why Kong is in this little biodome, if you will. Um, I just think that there's a lot of judgment issues with this character. She's like, well, I gotta save Kong, but I can't take him off this island because Godzilla's gonna kill him. Oh, oh, okay. Alexander Skarsgård comes on. Hey, we need to move Kong. He can help us. You need to move him because, you know, he could die here. Alright, no problem. Hey, you should do this because it might help Kong out. Not even like a second guess. Like, alright, no problem. She's like easily manipulated. Not even manipulated. She's like easily won over by ideas. Which make her makes her horrible. Makes her makes her like neg- negligent as a parent and as a caregiver as well too. You know, no wonder Kong didn't want her to find out about shit. You know, about sign language because she'd probably ruin him. Um, essentially she does. Um, but she does have some heart when it, with Jay. I think they have good chemistry together. I don't think her and Kong have good chemistry, but I know her and Jay do. do. Uh, Alexander Skarsgård's character, um, Dr. Nathan Lin, you know, the author um, based on the Hollow Earth theory. You know, he has a backstory as well, too, that him and his brother and a crew tried to travel to the Hollow Earth, and his brother died in the process. It's something you've seen in movies before. It's nothing deep whatsoever. I feel like my man has been having a hard time, you know, grabbing straws to see what sticks for him for movies since he left True Blood or since True Blood ended. I feel for him because I feel like he he's something. He could be something. I just don't know what it is. Definitely not Tarzan, and uh, I definitely don't see him as, like, this, this conflicted babyface character that you get in this movie. Um, meh. I don't care too much about that. Uh, let's talk about this character right here. This is, um... How... How, how do I feel about this? How do I... Okay, let's just say this. We get one of the big baddies of this movie. Who is... Um, Shun... Uh, played by Shun... Shun... Oguri, who is Ren Sirizawa. Sirizawa, who is the son of Ken Watanabe's character, you know, Dr. Sirizawa from the first movie, or for the first movies, if you will. So, this 
maybe gets hit once or twice in the movie. You would think that this character would hold so much weight because Dr. Sirizawa was such a beloved character in the first two movies. You would have felt that, oh, okay, if he's aligning with the baddies, he must have a reason or arc. Now, granted, I know in the novelization, there's a bigger role for him. And in the comic books as well, too, he has a bigger role. He has, you know, uh, not much of a disdain, but he kind of just hates the fact that his father sided with kaijus and titans this whole entire time. That they did not have a good relationship growing up. So, but that not existed in this movie whatsoever. You do not get why he's aligning with the baddies. All you do know is that he's trying to create Mechagodzilla, you know, or create a world where he could be part of the alphas, which I don't know, man. Like, it, it doesn't do anything for me whatsoever. Uh, let's talk about Walter Simmons, the CEO and founder of Apex Cybernetics. You know, this guy is like straight up, like right out of um, one of those James Bond villains, or, or um, yeah, like a classic James Bond villain. I mean, fantastic. He reminds you of like the the um, Dosekis guy, you know. But at the same time, like he is someone that is almost comedically villainous. Um, you could tell that there's ulterior motives. He doesn't seem genuine whatsoever from beginning to end. And maybe that's because you want to establish him already as a villain, but you could have given him some kind of levity. Just a tad bit. Or maybe some kind of emotional connection with Ren Zirozawa. I feel like you didn't. There was a missed opportunity with that. There was no symbiotic relationship between these two characters as villains. And of course, you have his daughter as well, too, who's like the insurance policy. Uh, uh, Mia Simmons, I think it's Mia or Maya Simmons, uh, played by um, uh, Isa Gonzalez. Probably botched all those names right there. Um, but she's also comedically evil as well, too. She's like, you know, kill the monkey, and I got what I want, and everybody, you know, my father gets what he wants, and all these, like, these cliche lines that villains do. Um, I didn't care for her character whatsoever. I feel like it was comedically bad. I feel like the story itself was comedically bad in some ways. I feel that um, the idea of, of you know, Walter Simmons wanted to make a uh, Godzilla to rival Godzilla so that way the Titan problem could go away, I can deal with that. But the fact that there's a lack of connection with Ren Sirozawa with Godzilla kind of sucks. Kind of sucks. Kind of sucks. Um, the negligence of the doctors with Jay kind of sucks as well, too, because she's constantly put in peril, no matter what. There's even parts where there's a storm outside. The kid has a room to sleep in, and she's like, we're going to go outside together. I'm like, what the fuck? Like, it's just all over the place when it comes to the story and their characters. Um, let's get into... But see, that was a bad, it was not that bad, but it's just me nitpicking at that point, right? The stuff that's in the middle that I kind of liked. Um, kind of like, kind of didn't like. Um, the Ghidorah head, King Ghidorah's head, his skull, is specifically being used by Ren Sirozawa to basically combine consciousness, consciousness is... I'm messing that up right there. They're basically drifting like Pacific Rim together. And what they do is when they drift, they can 
the essence or the whatever it is, maybe the, the leftover brainwaves of Ghidorah can help Ren Sirozawa pilot the Mechagodzilla outfit. Um, eh, is that too much? I like the callback a little bit. I feel like this is a callback where Wakiru, um, where that was that Mechagodzilla was made out of Godzilla's bones, like the original Godzilla's bones from 1954, and you know you're having like the old Godzilla versus the new Godzilla in the way. So I felt like that was a small little callback to that. I could be reaching. Um, explaining that the Ghidorah heads have were all telepathically connected, so they didn't have to think. Uh, oh, sorry, they didn't have to say anything or communicate with their voices. They would just think and everybody would be on the same page. I call bullshit on that because in the last movie, we see, like, the middle head um, pretty much barking orders to both heads, you know, even physically at points as well, too. So that was just something that was just a little out there. Um, but I do like the fact that, you know, when we have our moment where Ren essentially, like, fuses with the skull because of a malfunction um like a, like a power overload like he loses control but the Godzilla sorry the Ghidorah skull basically takes control of Mechagodzilla and you actually, you actually have to hear the, the Ghidorah roar as well too if you listen closely when Mechagodzilla forms at that time and it's kind of like Ghidorah getting a second chance to kill Godzilla which is cool. I can take that. If that was explained a little bit more, like a little bit better, instead of like reaching for it, um, I would appreciate that. Or maybe a casual fan would appreciate that as well too. But hey, we got that. And that was kind of cool. It just took a lot to get there. Um, Kong's little kingdom in the Hollow Earth. I like it, but then I don't. I get it. Like he's part of like this this race that kills Godzilla's and uh, apparently makes fucking like axes with their dorsal fins. So that's badass. You can tell why Godzilla's pissed off at him all the time. Um, yeah, it's cool. But once again, this is a part where like that it's just there's nothing to elaborate there. Like even in the Kong um, Birth of Kong comic book series, you don't get anything of that nature. Um, in there whatsoever. Maybe that's explained in the novelization or somewhere else, but that's a head-scratcher. Kind of like the Godzilla Atlantis situation. Um, but it's kind of cool. Kind of. I won't say fully cool, but kind of cool. Uh, and let's see, what else? What's like? What's a middle moment for me right now? Um, I think the Hollow Earth is a little middle middle moment for me, like a little neutral moment. I think some of it's pretty cool. Some of it's like, um, you know, journey to the center of the Earth status. You know, a little out of it, a little too crazy. Land of Lost status, but I could dig it. Thought like the War Bat was pretty cool when you first saw that. It's like a flying cobra. Thought that was pretty cool. Little bat eagles that you see in the throne room were pretty cool. Um little crabs that pop out or cute as hell um very much of an open space but that was okay that was okay but that was okay um but i need more explanations i need a, a, a better like a sequel where what the hell was happening there i need i need something you know what i mean because i felt like it was it was so immersive it was so big so much world building that you kind of 
stop me in my tracks before I can enjoy it. So, right in the middle. But yeah, guys, that's how I feel about it. I mean, do I love the fights? Hell yeah, that final exchange with Godzilla and Kong together fighting is magical. I mean, they whip each other's ass and you get that final moment of Godzilla being the definitive winner. Like, he goes over Kong, steps on his chest, and you know declares himself the alpha in that fight. Um, you have Kong... It's very much like a pro wrestling fight, too. Like if you love pro wrestling, this is the fucking movie for you to watch. Because Khan gets up and almost like his like Mickey Rourke moment right now is like his Rocky moment. Like I still got something left in me. I still I can still fight, but his arms pretty pretty much dislocated. You know he's burnt. He's messed up. He's slashed, and essentially he falls to the floor and almost dies from all these wounds. So. You get that like saving moment where Kong's kind of saved because he didn't submit, but he didn't win the fight either. So that's the L right there. Um, you get him redeemed with the Mechagodzilla battle, and I love the fact that Mechagodzilla is vicious, more vicious than Godzilla. This guy's rinsing him, like grabbing him by the face and dragging him through like the whole entire um, buildings. Um, there's parts that reference. Um, um, the first 2014 Godzilla where he's opening Godzilla's mouth and is about to just atomic breath his ass. But Kong goes for the save. They tag team with each other. They do a couple of sword swipes. Kong essentially fucks up Mechagodzilla, chops him in half a couple of times. And then a la Mortal Kombat rips his neck and his spine off the body. And you have like the whole Sub-Zero move with the spinal cord. And the uh, Mechagodzilla head depowering down while Kong screams. Uh, Godzilla and Kong acknowledge each other at the end, and they're out. They say deuces. We gone. Like I acknowledge that you whipped my ass. I acknowledge that you saved my ass while I was getting whipped. So, yeah, bygones be bygones. Kong returns to the Hollow Earth and essentially is the king of the Hollow Earth, while Godzilla remains topside, being the king of monsters. So. Very interesting, uh, very uh, very much a standalone ending, but it could also lead to other movies with Kong and the Hollow Earth, and of course, anything that has to do with Godzilla. Um, yeah, that's it. Like, it's a fun popcorn blockbuster yell at the screen movie. It's a fun movie that you can watch if you're a Godzilla fan, if you're looking for stories and like consistency through plots, you're not gonna find it in this movie. If you're going to be kind of scratching your head on loopholes that they went through, literal loopholes, like how they got to the Hollow Earth, um, how Kong survived that fall, you know, you're going to scratch your head and it might make you think too much where you're not going to like the movie. But if you can just have an open mind and enjoy it as a cheesy, fun blockbuster movie, then it's a great movie. Uh, it's not a thinking purchase movie whatsoever. It's come in, come out, have that adrenaline rush, and talk about it afterwards. So that's it, guys. That's uh, Godzilla vs. Kong. Fantastic movie. My number two in the MonsterVerse movies. Great battles. Uh, one great character. Um, just fun. A lot of fun. A lot, a lot, a lot of fun. Um... Do I wish there was more Easter eggs of monsters? Nah, yeah, I do. We didn't get any of that. Not even a, a, a post credit scene as well, too. So, a little disappointed about that, but we'll see what happens, guys. Um, 
I'm gonna try to go back to to you know order again when it comes to these films I know we left off specifically with the first Godzilla movie we were supposed to get into Godzilla King of Monsters because it's a totally different movie than the original in a way um, I think we're gonna do that again we're just gonna get back to basics until we get to the monsterverse and I feel like that's there's enough content right now that will keep us loaded until we actually get there to, to Godzilla vs Kong again so look out for us we're gonna be keep we're gonna keep on rolling we're gonna keep on trucking I just wanted to get this out before it got too late in the week and I want everybody to you know absorb the movie and I want to absorb the movie as well too and Watch it a couple of times and give a, a really good opinion on it. I, if I had to give it a score, I'll say a 4 out of 5. I, I was leaning toward 3.5 at first, but I'm going to say a 4 because it did what it did. It got me in the theater, and it made me happy leaving. So, that right there is a win, right? Right. PCF Podcast, Pop Culture Fanatics. You can find us, PCF Podcast, on Instagram, PCF Podcast on Twitter and Pop Culture Fanatics on Facebook. Uh, you can find me, Lucha Val Cisco, on Instagram and on Twitter. And of course, uh, Pop Culture Fanatics is on all podcast platforms from Pandora to iHeartRadio to Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, you name it, we're on it. And of course, Anchor for allowing us to do it here as well, too. I hope that everybody did enjoy this right here. I'm super psyched. I'm about to watch this movie again because it's a fun damn movie. Um, if you guys want to hear some more stuff, Elite Wrestling Audios, where we talk about everything in the pro wrestling world. Myself and Jay Rance go down the rabbit hole in pro wrestling as we talk about pay-per-views, live events, wrestling, indies, different subjects as well too. Hell, we have a recent episode about the Hall of Fame from the WWE. Check it out. EWA Podcast on Twitter, EWA Podcast on Instagram, and Elite Wrestling Audio on Facebook. That podcast is everywhere on all podcast platforms. But wait, there's more if you guys are into the MMA side of things, mixed martial arts. Jay Rance and I also go down the rabbit hole in the MMA side of the world. The Kimura Chronicles. TKC Podcasts on Twitter. TKC Podcasts on Instagram. And the Kimura Chronicles on Facebook. It's on all podcast platforms out there. We cover pay-per-views, events, shows, and barbershop talk when it comes to MMA. Guys, that's it for me, myself. Uh, I am out of here. You know, let me know what you guys think about this movie. If you think that Val was horrible explaining this movie or just don't agree with my picks, let me know. Uh, let me know if you guys enjoyed it as well, too. I appreciate this. You guys take care. You be safe. And of course, one love, everybody. Take care.